on Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to a Tuesday edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve, Ta- Sa- Ta- Steve Tasker back in the saddle. Easy for me to say. Welcome What's up? back, Steve. How's it going, everybody? Good to be back. Yeah. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. It was a long weekend. It was great, though. Yep. The last a, of your five children yeah. are now married. That's right. We had. Um, is now married. Long story, because we had, uh, it was down in Greenville, South Carolina. Wonderful place. I recommend it to everybody who's out there listening. Go down and visit. It's a southern city who really spent a lot of time on what their city was going to look like after the, you know, the gentrification and all the, the textile mills moved out and all this stuff. It It is wonderful down there. Anyway, so... <clears throat> Remember in 2019, the Bills went down to sh- into Charlotte, Spartanburg, Spartanburg and pra- had dual practices with the pa- uh, Panthers, right? So we took the show down there. It was when Murph was doing the show. And we yep. went down there, and we and while we were at practice one day, one of the fans came out and said, "Hey, got this sports bar down there. Love to have you guys come out. Let us, you know, give you a dinner and da 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 da." So Murph and you know us and Jay Harris and all of us said, "Yeah, let's go." So we went out. <clears throat> that was four years ago. I ended up going with yeah. the place of Murph. Okay, Murph couldn't make it. So we went out there. So then my son and, you know, years later, obviously, now we're back in Greenville, South Carolina, which is just a, a tick up from Spartanburg. Okay. okay. And the in, the new in-laws, which wonderful people, Mark and Renee, they're three girls, awesome. So they're a great family. They got a lot, large network group of friends. And we're, it's, it was a wonderful weekend. They say, hey, we're going to take you on, on Sunday since you're here for the wedding. And we know you're not working. You know, the Bills are playing in Washington. We're going to have a watch party. Okay. And lo and behold, we go to the same spot, the same bar. They, yeah. <laughs> so, like, all those people, hey, good to have you back. <clears throat> it was great. It was great. That's awesome. The East Side Bar and Grill. And we went over, and, and um, I remember the place, yeah. right? We, went, we were in there in the same place. Yeah. So, same great family, great bunch of owned, a lot of huge Bills fans, watch party. And, of course, you know, my whole clan, I mean, my wife's brothers, my brothers, all their kids and cousins, and then, you know, the crew that was there. And our whole family, we, yeah. we plopped. People. Yeah, we plopped in. They bought a new tent, put that up out on the – they had a tent for us separate so we could, like, squeeze in because mm. it's a Bills back. You know, it's crowded in there. Great time. I can imagine. Great time. And the game only helped. And listen, yeah, it was the great. The game was awesome. The, the yeah, the, one thing after another. Terrell Bernard busting out. AJ mm-hmm. Epinesa's play. Josh's finger roll. Steph Diggs absolutely just roping those guys. Uh, it was a great game. It was a great game. And, and they, they were what two and two and zero coming in. They were. Um, it's kind of hard to remember that now because they, <clears> well, they played Denver right. and they played. Uh, Arizona, so they're like okay, and I said this on my yeah, it was a step up in weight class for Washington. Couple of weight classes, yeah, yeah, they were much like it is for the Bills this week. Yes, uh, when you think about who they've played the last two weeks, the Commanders and the Raiders, this is a step up as well. Yes. It's a this is a heavyweight bout this week, which is it why is. everybody is already talking about it. It is, it is a big match this and i i talked to maddie glab today and we're, she's writing an article about you know reminiscing about the old rivalry rivalry between don shula don and you know marv, marv. levy and jim and dan and you know john offerdahl zach thomas and that yep. crew and bruce and the, 
This is this is ba- this is just like it. We're man. back. Let's there. go. Yeah, we're right back there. Oh my gosh, the Dolphins come in here looking like nobody's ever seen. The two highest scoring offenses in football right now squaring off this weekend. The Bills. Oh, by the way, also have the number two defense in football. Yeah. Um, the Dolphins cannot say that. They're rather ordinary, and we'll get into that through the course of today's and got, show. And you've got. Josh, who's like nine and two overall in his career against him, yeah, so um, that'll work. Yeah, and you know, and hope it continues. Uh, and I'll say this though, we, you and I, <clears throat> we've had a lot of fun at Tua's expense over the not not because of his concussions or anything like that, but because we, you know, we're not we weren't haven't been believers, right? Um, hard to take that stance. Well, last in this year, first month of the season, last year, despite missing five, I think it was five games, maybe it was more. He still qualified because he had enough pass attempts and led the league in passer rating last yeah. year. Right now, he's leading the league in passer rating again. Yeah. So it's hard to deny what he is. And <laughs> I was much listening as we, much as we would like. I was to. listening to the morning show here in Buffalo with Howard and Joe or Howard, Jeremy and Joe, um, and they were getting calls from people who are claiming that Tua is a system quarterback. And while that may be true, if he is unbelievably good in the system, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Was Joe Montana a system quarterback <clears throat> under Bill Walsh? Maybe. Whatever. I, yes, I get it. You know I, what I mean? I get like, the, I get the if argument. If you're extraordinarily good the, in the system. The thought is that – if you take the guy out, all of a sudden, if you plug somebody else in, they could be just as good. Right. That kind of is what you're saying. Yeah. And physically speaking, you know, Josh got a better arm. Okay. He's better athlete than Tua. Okay. I don't know that Josh would be as good as Tua. I think it would look way different with Josh in there than Tua. I would say if there is one thing that Tua right? has that is on an elite level, it is his anticipatory vision and decision making. His accuracy, too. The guy puts it on the money. It, when that yeah. ball comes out, it's going to where he aims it. Uh, so I'm and, but when you say that, like if you if you plugged, I mean pick your quarterback. If you plug Trevor Lawrence into the Miami offense or Tua into the Miami offense or any one of these guys that's halfway um, established in the league, you know, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, certainly Mahomes, all it would still be a successful offense. I don't think Tua is the reason it's going so well. But he gets some credit for that. He's got to get something. I mean, he's. I mean, it would. I just think it would look way different with a different quarterback in that system because Josh Mc, or different Mike Hal, McDaniel though. is is going to build it around the strengths of the guy. Yeah, I think it looks the way it does because of Tua. And in that regard, you got to say, yeah, maybe the system is because of Tua. I think it. I think it looks the way it is because of all the speed they put on the field. Yeah, my yes, but the point is, if you're talking about the quarterback. They would ask a different quarterback to do a lot of different things than they asked Tua to do. You see what I'm saying? Right. He just has to be a point guard in that offense, though. You know sure. what I mean? And he's a good point guard. Sure, sure. I mean, oh, he's yeah. like John Stockton back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, – and we'll, and we'll get into this all week long. We've got Dan Orlovsky from ESPN coming up in hour number two. He'll help us kind of dissect what has made the Dolphins' offense so successful. I just think their ability to create space – by striking fear in defenses with their speed 
is one of the main reasons why you have people running wide open catching footballs yeah, with no. the biggest <clears throat> windows of separation we've seen all season. Right, and I, I'll say this too. You know, when, it, when the it, Dolphins played extremely well against the Broncos, Broncos couldn't – Almost couldn't have helped him out any more than they did. There's Defensively, of, I would agree. Defensively, Let's the Broncos. Let's not forget, oof. Russell Wilson threw for 300 yards in this game. Wow. And, I mean. and had a couple of touchdowns. And they had two touchdowns nullified by penalty. They scored two touchdowns that came back on penalties. So, does it make a big difference if it was 70 to 35? No. But my point is, it's not like the offense for the Broncos didn't have any measure of success. They did. It's just that it turned into a track meet and the Broncos didn't have any sprinters. Right. That's what happened. And right. they didn't have anybody that, that seemingly cared to come the third quarter on defense. So right. I, I, they've been accused of laying down by some people that were covering that game. I, I, that might be a little strong, but I haven't watched the game to the end yet. But some people were of the opinion that by the time they got to the third quarter, it looked like Denver's defense didn't even want to tackle anybody at that point. Right. I don't know. I'm, uh, yeah, Denver absolutely gave up on that game, and it showed. And we talked about that because because it's got, hard to score seventy. Well, yeah, but against they, anybody in this league, they were sitting guys. I mean, Mike White came in, and they were and they and Mike and a McDaniel yard touchdown. Mike McDaniel, they <clears throat> the way it kind of works in the NFL, and and you'll know there's no written rules. I mean, you can do whatever you want. There's this isn't baseball. Yeah, it's not baseball, where. The unwritten rule says this, and everybody gets all upset if you don't follow yeah. it. There no, you can win a thousand to nothing in football if you want to, and nobody can say nothing if you don't like it. Don't don't let it happen. Yeah, don't yeah, stop them. But what happens in in the NFL is when you get up big, Josh sits down, Tua sits down. You know, those guys are you know the, you got the three backup offensive linemen playing. You know that's what happened with Buffalo, Ryan Bates. You know. Um, Ryan Vandermark. Vandermark and uh, David Edwards, they were all playing. You know, they sit everybody down that they can sit. But you don't, if you're going to go into an NFL game, you're not going to ask those guys to go in there and lay down for anybody. They're going to go in there and play because they don't get to play much. They're not late. You're going to let Mike White run the offense. Now, you can pick your plays. All right, you, Mike, you're going to hand it off twice, and then on third down, if we need to, we'll throw it. That's what we're going to do. That's how the offense is going to run. Well, if he goes out there and they're run, ringing it up on him, that. <laughs> That is calling in the dogs. And if, you're, if you can't get out of the way, you get it. You get 70 hung on you. Yeah. So Mike McDaniel, he, did what, he followed every unwritten rule. He even knelt down at the end of the game so as, not to, so as not to set an NFL record for points scored in a game. So he did everything without exception exactly the way – a, a logic would rule in the NFL. And Denver couldn't do anything about it and decided just not to. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Denver was at the end was like sitting all their guys too. You know, they meant like, listen, I'm, Russ, you're not playing anymore. Russ played deep into that game. I think that I think if you're the Denver coaching staff, I think you kind of would do that out of like, hey, here's your punishment. You're gonna to have to stick. You're gonna go out there and get embarrassed, you know. So I, 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 if you're gonna go out there and put the, you're never going to ask your backup players in an NFL game to, hey, take it easy on these guys. Let's yeah. kneel down for the last five minutes, whether we're 
if it's in our own end or not. With their six minutes to go, we'll kneel down and punt it back to them. No, you don't do that. You run your offense, and man, oh man, Denver absolutely just caved. Caved. Well, they are. They did lose the week prior to the Raiders. That was 17-16. But yeah. I don't know if the Raiders are impressing anybody lately either because they lost again to Pittsburgh on right. Sunday night. And they're one and two. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, let's spin around the NFL quickly here. Uh, and the biggest news coming out of New York, where the stuff is hitting the proverbial fan, as Jet fans are completely up in arms about the uninspiring play of quarterback Zach Wilson. It took all of two games, and they're done with him, including Hall of Famer and Jets fan Joe Namath, who said he's seen enough as well, and it's time for them to trade Zach Wilson. I don't know who is taking Zach Wilson off their hands, but it looks like the Jets have decided to prepare for post-Zach Wilson at quarterback on offense because they are, pending the passing of a physical, going to sign Trevor Simeon. So presumably a bunch of quarterbacks worked out yesterday. Trevor Simeon is the choice. Actually spent some time with the Jets back in 2019, 31 years old, bounced around the league. I think he's played for like seven teams. The Bills actually last played him on Thanksgiving 2021 when he had to start at quarterback for the Saints due to some injuries down there. And uh, the Bills won 31-6, to if I get the score right, I think. Yeah. That, that's, that's the answer. That's what you're doing. You're signing guys off the street and, and lining here's, them up. Here's uh, the one thing about the Jets, though, Steve, okay? Do you believe, because this is year three for Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, do you believe that they get a mulligan because Aaron Rodgers lasted all of four plays this season and they get next season? Or do you think the lack of a viable backup plan in a go-for-it year could cost them their jobs, especially if they go four and thirteen, five and oh, twelve. I don't care if they go two and fifteen. No, they, they're they're they fine. A, they get a, they should. They they may not because the, the the pressure will be intense in New York. They should absolutely because here's they have done a ton of stuff exactly right, and yeah. I'm talking about like a couple of drafts in a row. You throw those guys at the curb, you're still the Jets. That's right. You're st- in fact, you you seal it like with the seal of Tutankhamun, like they found in 1920. <laughs> you are done. You are done for a generation if you start doing the exact same thing that you have always done. You got a smart head coach. You got a GM that drafts great. A guy got hurt four plays. Come on. You got, they've been doing a lot of stuff exactly. You can say yeah. they missed on Zach Wilson. You know what? They hit on like six other guys that are studs. That's not easy. So you can say what you want about Zach Wilson. Yeah, okay. I'm telling you, you do not jump. You get a smart young head coach like Robert Sala, and you support him until he figures it out. And you keep giving him good players like they have. It's going to – you got to – that's how it's done. You think somebody else is going to come in and draft better than Joe Douglas did? Right. There is no way. Yeah. That's not how the Jets do it, though, as you know. So. Well, then, 
I mean, histori- thankfully, historically thankfully, speaking. Thankfully, they're the Chicago Bears of the AFC East. Well, yeah. Here's the next question. Let's assume they're somewhere in the 4-13 and 13 or 3-14 and 14 or 5-12 and 12 area. Rodgers is expected to play next year. You don't know what that's <clears throat> going to look like yet because of the Achilles surgery. He's 40 years old. Are you drafting a quarterback with your first pick if you're the Jets? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think you oh, have absolutely. to. Absolutely. You yeah. have to. Oh, you take that. You try and go get that Caleb Williams. Well, you got to get up to the top of the draft. You if you're might be able that. to. I mean, if Arizona gets it and they got Kyler Murray coming back and Kyler looks great and, they, and they're not going to do that, or the Bears, whatever. You know, yeah, that, I don't those think are the, the Bears teams. are trading out of the one spot again. Perfect. They just did it this year and gave it to Bryce, gave uh, Carolina Bryce Young. That's far, but yes, I think you do. You draft the best guy you can. In fact, I think you, you do trade too. Up to, trade up to get him. You, I, I you think, can't be gun shy because you missed on Zach Wilson. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely imperative. And this is from a from a Bills guy. I mean, we're that the, the Jets stay this course because they have done so much so well for long enough now that they are they are an. an ex, a team that is an acceptedly great roster. Now you got stabbed in the back, and you call it the curse or whatever. Come on, you got to do what the right thing to do. They've got a great coach. I, Salah is a really smart dude. You, nobody's perfect, but he's a smart guy. Players play hard for him. I will say this though: when you're talking about getting rid of him, and I'm just wondering. It does make a difference how the rest of this season looks. Like, if they don't stop playing hard for him, if they keep it, you got to hang on to him. I mean, he's still, even yesterday, still, Zach Wilson is the unquestioned starter going forward. Dude, you got to do that. Okay. You got to do that. That's, that's the way life is. What's he going to do now? They don't even have Simeon in the building. Yeah. What are they gonna, he's got to say that until, until he's not. Until they have an alternative. That's right. Yeah. You got, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Yeah. You can't. The guy's going to play this week. He's got to play this week. You, Trevor Simeon going to come in on Wednesday and all of a sudden be ready. You know, it don't work like that. That game finished 15-10. to 10. The Jets did not score a point in the second half. Yeah. It mean, does, it's, it's not going to take that much. It's not going to take much. The Jets are going to be good if they can get some competent quarterback play. Mediocre quarterback play. Yeah. Just like, like Andy Dalton type stuff. Right. Right? You would think. Ryan Tannehill type stuff. Yeah, you would think. You would think that that's possible. Uh, Did you see the latest move by the Patriots? They signed quarterback Will Greer away from the Cowboys practice squad the week they're playing the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Now, they already have Zeke Elliott on their roster, but now they grab the quarterback uh, who's been there – all off season, and it's funny. Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Cowboys, was asked about it, and he's like, "Yep, we're gonna have to change all our hand signals and everything this week because he knows where a lot of bones are buried." Right. Um, I know Bills fans have seen this before. This is a common tactic of one Bill Belichick. It's nothing against the rules, but it is somewhat nefarious. Yeah, of course it is. They don't even. They don't even. They don't even bat an eye at it. No, though. there's already been articles coming out, and and they're the Cowboys guys are talking about. Yeah, I'm sure they they've got Greer under the white lights, you know, <laughs> saying you know what, 
if just, right. it's like dragnet up exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> if he if McCarthy does this, what does it mean? You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, what is he like on third and eleven? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so what's your gotta have it place? Zeke. They probably got a little bit of stuff from Zeke, but not not you know, too much. And I, I, yeah, quite frankly, I don't. I think. I think the Patriots are going to give the Cowboys all they can handle. Well, they did not look impressive last week against Arizona. So, uh, you know, they lost to Arizona Cardinals, who most people don't think too much of, especially without Kyler Murray, who's still rehabbing from an ACL injury. But they got a win last week, so there it is. Uh, that is Around the NFL, brought to you by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. This week's game against the Dolphins, by the way, is presented by Oshai Children's Hospital. Oshai Children's Hospital gets kids back to being kids. Donate today. Topic of discussion for you at 803-0550, is as follows. Which way do your emotions lean for the game this week between the Bills and Dolphins? A, worried about the Dolphins' offense. Or B, confident in the Bills' defense. Which way are you leaning right now? 803-0550-1888-550-2550. And uh, we'll get the update on where the poll currently sits as people have been chiming in at One Bills Live. And it's a slight majority for worried about Miami's offense. It's about 55% to 45%. I mean, the yeah. Bills have given up 13 points the last two weeks. The Dolphins scored 70 on Sunday. So we thought this would be an yeah. interesting way to get a gauge on where people's emotions and stress levels are just Tuesday <laughs> into the game week. Yeah. It, um, let me just look real quick. Yeah, the, the, Dolphins, the Dolphins scored 10 touchdowns. 21 a quarter. <laughs> this last week they scored yeah they had two they quarters in which they scored 21 points yeah, they scored yeah two quarters with 21 and two quarters with what 14 14, 14. each yeah um that's productive it's big i mean they ran out of you know they only had two possessions in the third quarter and they scored on both of them you know um yeah and they brought <laughs> they bring mike white in he throws a 67-yard touchdown pass. He only threw two passes in the whole game. One goes for 67 and a touch. Yeah, that's why I said Mike McDaniel did not try and run it up there, but you're not going to tell your players not to play hard. You know? Yeah. Mike White gets in. What's he going to do? He's going to try and put some tape and get a contract. He wants, you know. Yeah, Broncos could not wait for that game to get over. Found it interesting that Coach McDermott, who was just diving into the Miami tape because he, you know, went through yesterday's, he went through Sunday's game with Washington first and, you know, corrections and all those things. And he used the word revolutionary for Miami's offense, which is, that's high praise. I mean, for a guy that's been in the league over 20 years, calling this offense revolutionary is, is saying something. Right. So, but we want to know what you think. 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got some open lines for you there, but we lead off today with Mark in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Mark? You're on One Bills Live. 
Uh, good afternoon, guys. Hey, hey, Steve, welcome back. Congrats on marrying off another one of your kids. Thank you. Sounds like it was a good time. Um, I got uh, a comment about the Jets real quick and then uh, a question about our defense. Uh, the comment about the Jets is I'm going to give the Jets credit, but grudgingly, uh, first of all, about their, uh, their draft. Um, they finally decided to pick the right guys where they picked, you know, picking so high in the draft year after year after year. So I'll give them credit for that, but – I mean, <laughs> finally, after all these attempts, they finally drafted some uh, some viable players. And I don't think they get criticized enough for going out and getting a 39-year-old quarterback and then not doing anything to fortify their offensive line on the edges. I think it was absolutely ridiculous what they went into the season with that tackle. So, uh, And I don't think that gets brought up enough. They did a lot of good things. Okay, I give uh, their GM and their coach credit for that. But <laughs> that that mix of that plan up front for the offense yeah. has proven to be disastrous. Uh, and my question for our defense is this, and, and this is grudgingly because we've been playing so well defensively. Uh, I'm not all for changing a lot, but I was thinking about this and saying, can you see points in the game where um, McDermott takes a defensive tackle uh, off the field, depending on the down and distance, which one it would be, if it's a rush, the leave uh, at Oliver in there. If it's a pass rush uh, with Floyd and with Rousseau, or if it's early downs, maybe put leaving uh, uh, Jones or whoever in there. But um, and putting another linebacker on the field, uh, maybe even the rookie Williams because he's so athletic, um, and flooding the underneath underneath crossing zones and, and uh, still play nickel, still go at our five DBs but then go with three linebackers also. You think that that's something that's viable and able to be done when it's something you typically have never done on a short, you know, uh, in just a week's time? Yeah, they could, no, certainly, team. Mark, they could put that in and, and do that scheme. That means you're only rushing three guys, basically. Yeah, you're playing a 3-3-5. Uh, yeah, you're playing a 3-3-5. And, and yes, that's you can do that. Um, I would say – I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it. But, yeah, I could because here, the thing is that particularly against this Miami team, I don't think it would fit because of their speed. And, you know, you could put eight guys back there and they can take the lid off and stretch the field so far, you still got guys playing in space. So um, the, I think the more productive and acceptable way would be to get pressure as quick and as consistent as you can to make sure the quarterback has to throw the football quick. Because if he doesn't have to throw it quick, that means the field gets bigger and bigger as the receivers go further and further away from the line of scrimmage. you got to defend more and more ground. And the longer the quarterback holds it, the more space and the more space and the more space you're asked to cover. So you got to make the quarterback get rid of the football. Now, some quarter, now the teams are all built for that, which is why a lot of teams have this quick-release possession type, short throws, long run kind of offenses. So going the opposite of that and just putting three pass rushers on the field leaves you susceptible to having all three of those guys double teamed and then four eligible receivers running around down the field doing whatever they want and waiting and waiting and waiting. And sooner or later, you just – and you don't have do to max it. protect. You don't have to chip because right. there's only three guys coming. Right. Um, so I mean, I, I would say if you you take it would take six guys to double team all three of them. I understand where he's coming so. from. You know, you want to get 
faster on the field, so maybe you, you put an athletic linebacker out there to cover more ground. The thing is, Miami is so good at stretching you horizontally with their pre-snap motion that it forces guys in the back seven to cheat one way or the other, but that, in, that opens up a hole, usually somewhere in the middle of the field, and their fast players exploit that because they can fill that space before you can get back and recover to cover it. And, and that's why, you know, some of the highlights our MSG viewers were watching earlier here in this segment are seeing Tyreek Hill catch the ball. There's nobody around him for 10 yards. He takes five steps. There's still nobody in the camera shot. Right. Still. So there, the best thing that Mike McDaniel does with his scheming is create space on the field, and he's got the fastest players in the league to fill the space and then vacate it after they have the ball. And if you're not close enough to them, the play's over, and it's going to end in the end zone. That's the problem. Right. Back to the phones and to Jay in North Buffalo. What do you got for us, Jay? Hey, guys. Um, just want to say I, I think when it comes to, like, where I'm leaning towards on this game, I think there's a lot that is on our defense's plate, more specifically our head coach's plate. You know, this is why we have our head coach as our defensive play caller. You know, the innovation needs to be there. You know, but you also have to stay true to your principles. And I'm just telling you guys right now, if we come out with this whole bend but don't break, you know, let them get their yards, you know, we'll we'll see real fast, you know, if the innovation is there from our head coach, who's supposed to be great as a defensive play caller. So I'm banking on him this week. You know, I think this is a big game for not just, you know, the season and the division, but also for – you know, a reputation standpoint. You know, if the Dolphins come out and they hang 49 on us and make this look make this look like a trend, you know, McDermott needs to step up. He needs to be like Bill Belichick esque. And I'm banking on him. I believe in our head coach. So that all being said, I'll hang up and listen to your comments and go Bills. Thanks, Jay. Um, yeah, when he says Ben, but don't Brown, I don't know if he's. It, it may be the thing that you want to do to this Dolphins offense and make them go the long way. If they can put together a 10, 12 play or 15 play drive and score off of it, you know, bless their heart, let's see them do it again. You that know? was Belichick's plan two weeks ago. Right. He said, we'll, we'll bleed them down the field and then we'll tighten up when we get to the red zone, which is where right. New England's defense is notoriously good year over year over year over year. And that was his game plan two weeks ago. They held them to 24. Right, and that's what you and holding them to twenty four gives you a chance, right? Yep. You can score twenty four. You're not well, going to score seventy unless you're the Patriots. Obviously. You're not going to right. You're not going <laughs> to if they score seventy, you're not scoring seventy three. You know, you 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 got to give yourself a chance. Now you can also play complimentary football, and this is where the Bills maybe have it over the Dolphins. The Bills defense has been good statistically. They have gotten good pass rush. Uh, they've got they lead the league in interceptions, that kind of stuff, but. You're going to have to beat this Dolphins team with everybody. Offense, defense, special teams, you got to do it all. Um, so you've got to make sure that you get contributions from your defense and your offense, helping your defense by putting together a couple of long drives and being efficient. And when you get a chance, you got to score. So you got to put some pressure back on the Dolphins, keep the game close. Uh, so I think if the Bills are going to win this game, it's going to take offense and defense. So last week, I mean, the Miami defense could have sat down, you know, mm -hmm. because their offense they couldn't their offense was just unstoppable. They gave up 300 passing yards through the air, and it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and they gave up 
13 points. You know, the other they got a touchdown on a kickoff return. Yeah. Denver did. <laughs> At the end of the game. Wow. You talk about putting perfume on a pig. <laughs> a kickoff return for a touchdown for the yeah. Broncos getting beat by 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 57. No, is that 47. right? I think that's right. 47. No, it finished 50 point game, 70 to 20. They were getting beat by 43. They were getting beat by 40. No, 50. They were down 50, scored a touchdown to get it 20 to 63, and then they gave up another touchdown. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Uh, we are late for the break. We have to step aside here, but more of your phone calls when we return. Which way do your emotions lean for the game this week between the Bills and Dolphins? A, worried about the Dolphins' offense, or B, confident in the Bills' defense? Let us know what you think. Next, here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And our discussion today obviously centers around Bills Dolphins on Sunday. Which way do your emotions lean right now for the game this week? Are you A, more worried about the Dolphins' offense, or B, more confident in the Bills' defense. Weigh in if you want at One Bills Live on the tweet sheet. Otherwise, give us a call at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. Got some open lines for you there. We lead off this segment with Mark in New Jersey. What do you got for us, Mark? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Steve, good to hear you back. Um, I, I'm more confident in the Bills for just one reason. They're competent. Like, that's what's going on in Denver is not competent. That Brandon's daily thing in LA, San Diego, whatever. It's not, the guy is not competent. The, the, the results bear fruit. Nobody's 70 points better than another NFL team. The bills last opponent, Sam Howell dropped 32 unanswered against Denver's defense, mostly in the second. Can you imagine that? That kid was horrified. Like he was shook. He threw four picks could have been five. Like, that same kid that the Bills just destroyed dropped 30-plus on Denver's defense, and we're here just gaga over, yeah, they're fast. All that, all that motion, most of it's eye candy. That team does not, I, I said it yesterday, that team does not want to play for that head coach. That it was, there, there was so many things that happened that game. There was a catch Cortland Sutton, Sutton made on the sideline that Peyton didn't challenge that he ended up coming down with. They ruled it incomplete. Sutton fumbled consequently two yeah. times later on in the game. There was two touchdowns, like you alluded to, called back. It was it was the perfect storm. It was just it was a Madden game, a kid that was like a competitive Madden player against just you know your run of the mill novice kid, and that can happen to you in Madden. Actually, that's why everybody we have such a fantasy football Madden centric culture now. That's why everybody's so gog over it. I, I'm way more conf- confident in what the Bills can just produce from a competent standpoint. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Um, I had, that's a great analogy about Sam Howell hanging 32-plus on him in a half. In the second half. In a half. Um, things are bad over there. And it's interesting that a coach with the pedigree that Sean Payton has would allow that, can let that happen. Um, and now it's not on the offensive side of the ball, no question. And he walked – he was in there to fix the offense. Uh, but – uh, the defensive coordinator, who is his name's escaping me, Raheem uh, Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph um, is also been around the block a couple of times in the NFL. Was a 
head coach, head coach. for a minute. Um, it's, I think, indicative of where the roster of the Broncos is right now. Um, their leadership void on the player side is showing through big de- a lot. Um, I think you're starting to see some discouragement, which is um, – I, mean, I don't know. There's no coming back from that. Well, you saw Garrett Bowles in a post-game Garrett Bowles locker view. He said, I've been locker. here seven years. All we've done is lose. Yep. He's um, not wrong. That is – that's a hard place to be because we've, we talk about it a lot on our show about what the NFL commands and demands of its players. It is a physical – physically demanding, painful game to play. And you risk injury, and I know it's a trite and cliche thing to say, but you risk injury every play. And to go out there and be discouraged or in a, in a finger quotes, cause that you feel is hopeless, you, you give up 70 points. You give up 70. That's how it happens right there. It is how it happens. I don't think there's any question about that. There, there have to be some forces at work, you know, all due respect to Miami's ability to score points. There have to be some other forces at work to get you there. I mean, that doesn't – as Steve has said all the time, the margins in this league, from the best team in the league to the worst, are pretty thin because the talent is so good – on 32 teams. I mean, you're talking about the best football players on the planet. And even the worst teams in the league have a handful of guys that are elite. So to hang 70 is a rarity, and usually some other forces have to come into play, like our caller Mark mentioned. But uh, I do like the analogy. <laughs> Sam Howell hung 32 on them in the second half. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of puts it in a little bit better perspective. So well done on that, Mark. Let's go to Kevin in Hamburg next. What do you got, Kevin? Hey, guys, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm more worried about the Dolphins' offense this year for two reasons why. Number one, they got more experience with their new coach than they had last year, number one. Number two, I don't think I have to remind you that in that last game, the two have played up here that week before the Christmas blizzard, because the Skylar Thompson one was somebody else quarterback in the Dolphins. He was doing pretty good against us until the White Sox started coming down pretty bad that last 350 of the game. He was, you know, rocking up and down the field on us until the white stuff started coming down. And they were, I wouldn't say they were clobbering us, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't like they were stinking. Then the white stuff came down and they stunk worse. So, and there's not going to be no white stuff this week to depend on. So, I think we'll win and we have the home field, but it's going to be one of those yeesh game type things. Um, also, yes, I get I get what you're saying, uh, Kevin. And I agree with the, the early, you know, the, Early returns on their offense are they are playing very good. They do have more uh, continuity. They got a, another year in this system. Tua has another year. Tyreek, Jalen Waddle are a year deeper into it. They can do some things easier and more um, efficiently on the fly in adjustments and that kind of. Thing. That's that's the beauty of having a lot of guys who are deep in the offense for a couple of years, because all of a sudden you get a quarterback that looks out to his right and just and kind of and talks his, cocks his head like one side to the side, and that says a whole conversation to the guy he did that to. They know where they were. They know where this head cock came from. You know what I mean? Tilting your head and telling him what to do with one small twitch of his head can tell the guy a whole conversation because they've been through this before. That's where Miami's getting to with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. The longer you spend – 
the more quickly you can adjust on the fly and do something the other defense has never seen before. That's all true. The stuff about last year when the Bills were stinking in the snowstorm and in the, in the last week, Brownie and I, and I continue to maintain this publicly and privately, the two wins the Bills got at the end of the year, the, the Patriots game and the Dolphins game, and the loss they took in the playoff – or the win they got against uh, the Dolphins in the playoffs. Wild game. You can wipe all the, the wins and the losses off. They were aberrations. The entire rest of the season after the Monday night game in Cincinnati was an absolute blur for most of these guys. They weren't the same team. They didn't practice the same. They didn't prepare the same. They weren't as ready to play. They couldn't practice. They, they, they didn't practice. They were in an emotional state that they, didn't allow for it. They were complete. It was like they got dropped on another planet playing another sport. So the games they won, you know, they won the next week against New England. He was referring to the Sunday night game where Tyler Bass wins it on a kick at the end. He was referring to that game, the Sunday which night was, game. Which was Late week. in the season, December. Right. Josh puts the cape on down 11 with four minutes left and somehow pulls the game out, gets him into field goal range at the end, and Bass kicks the kick on the last play of the game. They win yes. 32-29. I get you. That's the game that Kevin so was, was referring before, to. This was before the – Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. The, the Dolphins played them tough in both games. One game's decided by two points. The other game's decided by three points. I would think – You can argue what you want about, you know, the oppressive heat down there in Miami back in week three. But here they had snow, and Kevin seems to think that the weather had an impact on two at the end of that game. Um, no, on the uh, jet game in week 14 it was last week. I'm sorry, no, 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 that's not right. No. Week 15, 32-29. Yeah. The one we're seeing, we're, we're looking at highlights now. This is the game, uh, and this was early in the game, Josh snapped off a 19-yard run down inside the 10. Um, and th that was the game that Skylar Thompson, quarterback for the Finns, he did. I thought Tua no, played. Tua did. Tua played that Tua, game. He was seven, Tua was seventeen to thirty. Yeah, seventeen. He, he wasn't 30. great. He, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't great. He was, was a little cold. off. It was um, cold. So yeah. yeah, I mean the weather goes both ways. Maybe it helped the Bills in that game, and the heat obviously helped the Dolphins in the Week Three game. So make of it what you will. Weather won't be a factor this week. It's supposed to be seventy-three and sunny, but we want to know. You let us know. Where do your emotions lean for this game between the Bills and Dolphins? More worried about the Dolphins' offense or more confident in the Bills' defense? we got more calls to get to when we come back here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. Let's get right back to the phones at 803-0550 and to Ron out in California. IA. How are we doing, Ron? Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Great show. I'm leaning towards defense. I'll tell you why. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I don't think Miami's uh, faced our defense in a couple years. Uh, they haven't been healthy, and they're healthy now. And not only that, with our uh, pass rush and uh, you know our front, our front line, and, and uh, also the uh, middle linebacking uh, combination that we have is just uh, uh, you know they they might have a splash a splash play here and there against us with the long fields, but I believe within the anything under the fifty yard line, 
it's going to be tough to score against. And I see uh, actually a field goal game. And I'll tell you why. This is a division game. They're not going to put no 70 points on. We're not putting 70 on them. They're not putting 70 on us. This is a divisional rivalry. And I believe, and my memory goes back to the Super Bowl with the Giants. You know, we had a high-scoring offense, and how did they handle us? Well, they they basically ran the ball and uh, ate up the clock. I, I, I remember that. And I think this is how you handle a team like this. You know, and this is where our ground game comes in. It, they're not used to a, a good ground game either from us. So I think we have a lot of uh, positives going into this game. Yeah, I'd like to know how you feel. Yeah, I like, I like a lot of your points, Ron, um, particularly the one about the defense. People forget back in week three that the Bills didn't have five starters on defense and no Mitch Morse in that game in week three and then proceeded to lose five more people where they didn't literally had Tommy Doyle playing on a torn ACL at right guard because they didn't have anybody else to put out there. Otherwise, we'd have to throw a tight end out there or somebody to play right. offensive line. And right. defensively, you didn't have Micah Hyde, who was already lost for the season. Tredavious White was still out on an ACL repair, uh, you know, re- rehab, whatever. And you were missing three other starters on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, it, and, and Steve and I have been talking about this all offseason. The roster this year for the Bills is more talented and deeper than it was last year on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you're right. The Bills' defense um, is playing really well right now. Um, And you're right. The basic premise when you've got a team that can really ring it up, the way the Dolphins can, they could do it last year too, is you play complementary football. Certainly you take big plays if you can get them offensively for the Bills, but also – the, Dolph- the Dolphins are 24th against the run, and they've been playing teams that have been airing it out on them. I mean, try- Brownie was talking about yeah. this. He went back, he said, and he made the point, and he's right. All these teams are the- throwing on him to try to get back in the games. Yeah, teams are airing it out trying to get back in the games. How are you 24th and even against doing the run? That, they still can't. They haven't stopped the run at all. They're 24th against the run when you would think nobody's even trying to run on them. So – there is reason for optimism for the Bills' offense uh, to, to be able to hang in there anyway. And I, we talked about this game last week, the, the Tua game in week 14 of 2022. It was a Bills 32, Dolphins 29, Tua against Josh. Josh was 25 of 40 for 304, four TDs, no interceptions. And Tua, he, ran, he ran for one, too. And he ran for one. And Tua was 17 of 30 for 234, two TDs, no interception. He had a 104 rating. And it was 29-32 in the Bills. It was 29-29, and the Bills kicked a field goal at the end to win it. Um, I expect this kind of to be that kind of game. Yeah. You know, it's going to be – it's going to be right there yep. for both these clubs. And um, you made some good points, though, Ron. He, I think he's you're, right. I think you're bang on. I think it will be a relatively close game. And the odds makers feel the same way. What's the spread? Two and a half points. So yeah, you're not alone. I, I think there will be a lot of elements to that. Um, oh, it's three now. Okay, it was two and a half at the beginning of the week. Interesting. So who, for Bills, Bills favorite are at home. Home favorite. Yeah. Which, which home, is basically a pick 'em. It's game. a pick 'em game. Let's go to Mark in Orchard Park here before the break. What do you got, Mark? Hey, how are you, Chris? How Good. are you, uh, uh, Steve? Uh, what I'm talking about is uh, I think this is it's going to be a slugfest, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, it's going to come down to, I think, some coaching. 
But when you look at all the factors of how the Bills are transitioning from last year to this year, yes, we lost against the Jets, but that wasn't like uh, Sean McDermott said. There's 16 more games to go, and you see what he is building. I feel he's got us on the right you know, direction, but it's going to matter about us not having injuries, and I love the idea of putting Josh Allen under center because now it's opening up that whole offensive you know, lane. So I'm going to let you go with that. All right. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is going to be a fascinating discussion, and we'll probably get into it more tomorrow. This is literally the head coaches going head-to-head. It's Mike McDaniel and his offense against Sean McDermott and his defense, and both head coaches are calling it. So you really are going to watch, probably for the first time in a while, two head coaches literally match wits in their areas of strength on Sunday. It's gonna, I, I think it's the most intriguing matchup of the entire game, and they're not even on the field. Uh, that one has my attention most of all. We'll talk more about this game in hour number two with a guy who can dice up the X's and O's for us better than anybody. It's ESPN's NFL analyst, Dan Orlovsky, making his weekly appearance with us here on One Bills Live next. Stay tuned. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to hour number two on a Tuesday. And you know what that means. It's time for ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky and Dan's segment brought to you by Ellicott Hotels. Fans, round up your family, friends, or coworkers for a fantastic game day experience at 500 Pearl. Reserve your pack and book your group event today at 500pearlbuffalo.com. All right, Dan, we're going to put a bow on the week three game against Washington. Um, you know, and I know you're always dicing up the offensive tape, but the Bills' defensive performance on Sunday made Sam Howell look like all the other young quarterbacks that seem to face a Sean McDermott defense. Mm. They don't fare well. Three touchdowns, 20 interceptions in nine games, and a passer rating of 44. And, you know, Howell had five turnovers. It was, it was not a pretty scene. Yeah, I think the big thing was they they did a really good job of like winning first downs, you know, and part of that was I think I said this in the Raiders game with their defense, how dominant it felt Ed Oliver played, especially on early downs. And it's it's really interesting because if you know, I look at Buffalo's defense and I've said this every single time I'm on defense and I've said you cannot judge them until Vaughn comes back and the more that I've watched Ed play internally this year you sit there and go if they get that ed oliver on a relatively consistent basis on basis on early downs and vaughn comes back 
that's going to be huge. So, you know, getting in those early down successful situations to allow some of that zone coverage to be a big part of the plan and allow that pass rush to kind of be an integral thing. You know, Bernard is doing a really good job in coverage. They, you can make the case that they have the, the best or certainly one of the best pass covering linebacker duos in football. And I think everyone knows my feelings on the run defense when it comes to those two guys um, and where they're vulnerable and or susceptible in that regard. But pass coverage wise, you know, those guys are doing such a good job of playing off each other. And so Tredavious's interception was fantastic as well. Just the athletic play to jump over the back. So, um, you know, if that defense can win consistently on early downs and then some of those simulated pressures that they're kind of picking or the, the fire zones that they're playing with, you know, it's it's only going to help their offense try to get as many kind of possessions as possible. We talked about this game that happened last week, last year, week 14. So it was late in the year, and it was before the DeMar Hamlin incident in Cincinnati. So both these teams were kind of – you knew their identity and what they were going to look like. It turns out to be a 29-29 game. Bills get the ball, go down and kick a field goal 32-29 to win it at the end. That's kind of what I expect in this one. Uh, hard to keep both clubs off the scoreboard to a great degree, but it's. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be a division game that kind of comes down to it. I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah, I mean, certainly two of the best teams in football, you know, having the opportunity to play against each other. The way I look at this one, Steve, is first of all, when the Bills have the, the ball on offense, um, the reality is this. They are the best pass, play-action pass offense in football. And last week they went and brought six offensive linemen in and they ran play action pass. And I think that uh, does wonders for everybody on their offense. And so I think the more that they are willing to do that um, and willing to try to kind of control some of the pressures that Miami's defense is going to bring is going to be a huge story. You know, Vic Fangio is bringing pressures all over the place right now for Miami's defense. You see double corners coming on first down, double corners on first down. So, you know, like the more that you could put a quarterback under center and have, you know, a couple more people, at least initially of the play in the protection plan, the more comfortable you feel as a guy, like the more that Josh can get to the line of scrimmage and be like, I don't have to know exactly what the protection issue is because we got seven for seven. And I, those guys, will, it may not be perfect every time, but we got a guy for a guy type of thing instead of standing there and trying to analyze everything. So I, you guys know I've been so outspoken about putting him under center and play action. So not only just Josh's performance, but I think everybody's to be able to handle some of the, the, the early down kind of unique pressures that Vic will bring. The second thing is Josh more than likely four times in this game is going to get all out blitz. It's going to come. And who wins those three or four snaps is going to determine in great deal kind of who wins the game. Because if Miami, kind of like what happened in Cincinnati with Monday Night Football, if Miami pitches a shutout, that you're 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 stuck as an offense. And if you hurt them, you you got a great advantage. And then I think for the Bills defense, who I have a ton of respect for, I just talked about. I think they're phenomenal right now. Miami's offense is almost impossible to stop in my eyes. I I don't. You can't play man because of the vertical speed and the way they motion and get Tyreek running full speed. It scares you to death. 
and you can't play zone because what they do guys, and I'm going on a long time here, but I, I, I want to kind of paint the picture for everybody. I want everyone to like, think of an accordion, right? The vertical speed, you have to play deep as the top end of your defense, like your secondary, your safeties, they have to play a little bit abnormally deep because of that speed. And so now this accordion is kind of like stretched out before the ball ever really gets snapped. And then they give the second level of defenders, Milano and Bernard and the Taron Johnson, they give those second level guys so much to see both horizontally with the motions or a guy coming across the formation after the snap and vertically when it comes to like, okay, ball fake at me that those guys like if you watch the Broncos defense on run plays so often they were going backwards and on pass plays so often they were standing still. And that's how they create some of those massive gaps and kind of like that second to third level of your defense, that 20 yard world. And uh, I think it's a really difficult defense to, or offense to even like philosophically have a plan for. Yeah, and even Coach McDermott, who was only beginning to dive into the film yesterday when he addressed the media, called the Dolphins' offense revolutionary, which I thought was a very, very complimentary description um, for Mike McDaniel. And it is going to be interesting because it is quite literally Mike McDaniel and Sean McDermott going head-to-head in this game, offense versus defense, in terms of two play callers that have been very good at what they do. Um you mentioned, you know, possibly blitzing Allen. Josh is no stranger to getting blitzed by Dolphins defenses. The previous coordinator probably did it too much. And Josh makes you pay. You blitz Josh, it's a mistake. History has proven that. And his passer rating is through the roof when you bring pressure on him. Um, so, okay, it might be, you know, with a, with some measure of – you know, trying to be balanced in what they want to do defensively. I'm talking about Miami here. I'm curious because I haven't gotten through the whole Denver game yet, Dan, but at the end of the day, Russell Wilson throws for 300 yards. They get two touchdowns nullified by penalties. They've got uh, five plays of 40 yards or more. Three of them are runs that the Dolphins have against this Denver defense. I'm feeling a whole lot better about you know, Buffalo's defense in this thing, knowing how they have been able to neutralize opponents' rushing attacks the last couple of weeks to get them in favorable down and distance to go hunt the quarterback. So, I don't know. I know Tua gets it out so fast, you rarely get hands on him anyway. Um, I don't know. I It's kind of hard to project because the Bills' defense hasn't played great quarterbacks the first three weeks. And by the same yeah. token, Miami hasn't played – great defenses, maybe with the exception of New England the first three weeks. So it's kind of – I'm trying to get a gauge on this, and I'm having a tough time with it. Uh, uh, I would say this about – so for Buffalo's offense, Miami's defense has not been super impressive. I agree with you kind of watching the Denver game. Everyone, you know, on TV right now is talking about the Broncos and, oh, my gosh, Russell Wilson. They easily should have scored 35 to 40 points against Miami's defense, easily. I think Miami's defense is in this world, Chris. How many, like, they're all kind of okay. At least, I don't want to say it in the way that they're okay getting scored against. I think their belief is, like, how many different, they're just trying to gain possessions for their offense. They, they don't really care, um, 
they're trying to just how many different times are they get capable of getting the ball back for Tua? Because the offense right now is so explosive, and and so I do think that Buffalo's offense absolutely can have success, but only if they remember kind of what they've done over the past two weeks and kind of the the way that they've attacked defenses. Buffalo's defense is going to be challenged in ways that they have not by far all season. Right. By far. With the motions and the formations, it starts very simply with this, guys. How do they handle 21 personnel? Two back, one tight end. Because Alec Ingold, and remember I told you guys the Raiders got into 21 and they got into it just to like run. They don't – the Dolphins get into 21 and it looks like 10 or it's almost four wide receivers out there, or they'll get into 21 and they're all in these crazy formations and motions and almost like watching Canadian football league sometimes with some of the stuff that's going on. So just to how they're going to handle some of the kind of unique formations and personnel groupings and how they're presented to the defense, they haven't been challenged that way as much as I have a ton of respect for them. They haven't. All right. So let me, let me follow up on that. Do you think there is, so knowing it's, almost impossible to stop it. Is there a way for an opposing defense, whether it be the Bills or anybody else, to come up with a way to at least for part of the game dictate play to Miami with some kind of package or if you get them in a down and distance, you can do this. I'm not asking you for an answer per se. I'm just asking, is there an answer out there where a defense – maybe even for a series or two, dictate to them and at least get a couple of punts off of them, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so New England did a good job. They did. You know, what? now Christian Gonzalez, the corner for them, played fantastic in man coverage. And they very early down tried to double Tyreek Hill and and said, well, Tyreek's not going to get the football and they try to put hands on him at the line of scrimmage. Now that allowed Mike McDaniel to adjust in that football game and run the football a little bit. New England at times put six guys up at the line of scrimmage to try to discourage some of the quick passing. You, you know, Miami has this one play that they run like 127 times where like those stack receivers yeah. and they'll motion inside out full speed. And, you know, Tua just kind of reads the end man on the line of scrimmage. And if he goes with the, the motion, he'll throw a little slot hitch or he'll hand the football off, or if the guy stays inside, he'll kick it out to the sideline right now. So New England kind of got caught in between there a little bit because they were stacking the line so much that horizontally they got spread out. Um, I think like probably the two things is really, if you go back and watch the Chargers defense last year, and I believe it was on Monday Night Football, it might have been Sunday Night Football, but the Chargers defense did everything. They set inside leverage on basically every pass concept in man and back hip. And it was the dare of over the course of the four quarters, are you going to throw the ball down the field and outside to perfect locations? Um, And I think that's really difficult to do with some of the formations and motions, but that's the one defense in the last it feels like 10 games against Miami that has had some type of success. Whenever we start talking about these offenses and how, you know, how prolific they are. And we, we see them once in a while where a team gets hot and man, nobody can stop them. And then you start having conversations like this, where the bills in order to beat a team like the dolphins or anybody to beat a team like the dolphins, you need help 
The defense needs help from their offense. You know, uh, run the ball, eight-minute drives, be efficient, score when you get the chance, uh, don't yeah. punt the ball too often, don't turn it over, you know what I mean? Take, take all the time you can and just limit their possessions. And, I mean, that's like from the word go. Uh, and that's kind yeah. of been that's kind of stereotypically where we get with these conversations when you have an offense that scores you know sixty or seventy points. You start thinking, listen, if we want to beat them, we can't give them the ball that much. Yeah, it was. That's like the fascinating kind of, um, I guess, back and forth with this game, Steve. Is so it, it's one of those games where you probably lean on maybe being a little bit aggressive on some fourth downs for sure, and it brings a conversation a little bit back to Josh. This is one of those games where you do expect Josh to be very aggressive with the football and you do, and you can understand unless the game doesn't play to a certain style in an unexpected style. But remember like last week when he kind of rolls out to his right and he throws that bomb down the right sideline. And it's per, I think it was the Gabe Davis, like crossing the field you're going to need some of that wow stuff like you're in in comparison to week 1 when it was such a like the the like the why are you doing that decision making wise when they you know they can't score on our our defense right now it's not that feel for this game and this is one of those games where Josh is more than likely going to have to do some wow stuff and there's going to be some plays where everyone goes no 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 oh yeah do that you know and <laughs> it's one of those games where you're going to have to live with that it's different than week one this is this does fall under the umbrella for me of like okay you know you're going to have to score 30 plus at least to win this game likely you know so this is where you sit there and go well, if Josh makes one really like, what the heck are you doing play? And it hurts our football team, but it gives us four of like, oh my gosh, you're the only guy in the league that could do that. This is one of those games where you just live with that one or two boneheaded mistakes or like you can't do those because he's going to need four or five splashes. Now, that's exactly what he did in week 14 yeah. last year. They're down 11 with seven minutes left and he basically puts the cape on and wins the game for him. Um, yeah. Looking at Looking, I'm, I'm eager to dive a little bit more into the Fangio defense, Dan. You touched on it already, saying that, you know, there are some times where they will be unusually aggressive. Is there anything else that, that sticks out through three weeks from that side of the football for them? I know Van Ginkle is playing inside more now. He used to be more of an outside yeah. backer for them, and he's in the middle, presumably, to add some more speed in there at the second level because – They've been notoriously slow and victimized in there by teams, not just the Bills, but other teams over the last couple of years. Um, is there a soft underbelly here to the Dolphins' defense that you see to this point? I do think they have a favorable matchup with the tight ends in this game. I feel like I say that on a consistent basis, but I, I believe it to be true again this week because I, I don't think that that is – now the challenge with Vic and the way that the Dolphins' defense is playing is – Vic doesn't give you easy completions yeah. and it's not in the aspect of like the jets are different. Like the jets, the jets don't give you, the jets will give you like three yard completions, four yard completions. They won't give you the 10 yard completions, the dolphins under Vic. And with some of the personnel that they have right now, they're not giving you, they're, they're trying to not give you anything. You know, they're trying to take away, 
very much so the easy throws and challenge you to make the difficult ones. They don't want to give you free yardage. They're going to try to play very close, close to the shallow or, or kind of shorter completions and force you to kind of hold the football and throw it downfield and allow the safeties of Javon Holland to try to have vision downhill. And so I think the challenge for the pass game with Buffalo is going to be in the dropback world. I'm not talking about the play action world. In the dropback world is, you know, how quickly and decisive Josh is going to be with the 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 12 to 15 yard throws, and then the the placement in relation to where the defender is is going to be huge because the defenders will be close. Like these guys do a really good job of mashing pass concepts and and playing the proper leverages. The placement of the throw in relation to where Miami's defenders are, that's going to be a big story for for this weekend's game too. Yep. So this as this season rolls out, we're three weeks in, and you know you always think maybe a month in we'll start to find out who these teams are. There's maybe maybe three or four teams, maybe three at least, that really don't like who they are right now. Denver, Chicago, Arizona, these teams that are, you know, they kind of, they're not who they thought they were going to be. They're, they're, particularly Denver on a week like this has got to be, you know, on suicide watch. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's rough. It's really yeah. rough. Um, what are your thoughts about this first three weeks of the season and how it's played out for you? Yeah, I don't know if it's all that surprising. I think that the teams that we thought were, I guess that some of the surprising things for the early part of the season is, I think New England is a is a very solid football team. I, I do. If New England had any type of a vertical threat at all, I think they'd be a playoff team because of the way that their offense is efficient and the way their defense can get after you and the way their coverage is really good. Um, I think... If you look at Cincinnati, I called Monday Night Football last night with them. They, Everyone I feel is, not everyone, like writing them off. They are going to be very much so in the mix at the end. They just got to try and survive the next three or four weeks with the style of offense they have to play and Joe kind of being with the calf. But they are going to be very much so right where they have been for the past couple of years. I think the Chiefs defense has been a surprise. You know how young they are. They are carrying the football team a little bit right now as this offense try to figure out who they are outside of some of the pieces that have been departed over the last two years. Um, Jacksonville, I think, is going to be okay. I I thought last week it was just a shoot-yourself-in-the-foot situation for them. I do believe that they're going to be okay. Indy's defense, their pass rushers are a lot better than I thought they were going to be, so that's a little bit part of that conversation. Um, you know, Baltimore. I, not much of the <laughs> NFC kind of impacts the AFC right now, but talk a little um, bit about Baltimore. What do you think from Lamar and how that's going over there? A lot of injuries. It, yeah, Baltimore's a tough gauge right now because of those injuries. You know, if if I took the left tackle for a ton of teams in the NFL and, and he doesn't play, it's it's gonna have a negative impact on their offense. You know, so Ronnie Stanley's gotta play. And 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 until he does that, there's this there's this like question mark about who Baltimore is consistently you know when you watch them play everyone is saying like it looks like the same offense under Greg Roman I would disagree with that I think they're just still finding their footing 
You know, there's to consistently get the pass game to be at the same time in the same field. There's multiple times where like Lamar goes to throw the ball to a player like a Zay Flowers and Zay takes two steps in and Lamar throws it where he expects him to be. So it's it's going to take another, I said it would take four to six weeks for them to really get the feel of the timing and, and the, the understanding of the pass game. And there's moments where it is and moments where it isn't. So I still think that offense is going to be very explosive as long as they get healthy on their front. Their defense is the like the concern for me because I don't know, I don't know if I have a high end belief in their their perimeter cover people, you know, um, and that's when in this conference you guys know like you got to be able to stop passing games, and I don't know if I have a ton of belief in Baltimore or in in that regard right now. Dan, thanks as always. Appreciate the insight. We'll catch up with you next week. This is gonna thanks, be a good Dan. one. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, guys. All right, that's Dan Orlovsky joining us, ESPN NFL analyst. And, uh, yeah, I was watching some of the tape uh, from last week's Denver-Miami game, and what he's talking about is 100% true. I have never seen a defensive back giving a 10-yard cushion and bailing as quickly as they do when they're lined up opposite Tyreek. The guy's given Tyreek a 10-yard cushion, he takes two steps back in his pedal. Tyreek's running straight at him for three steps, and he's bailing on the third step that Tyreek makes, and he's still eight yards away from him. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Maybe against Randy Moss, maybe. But I, I was like, oh, my God, the guy's bailing, and the guy's still eight yards away from him. How slow is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> He's this yeah. worried. You I don't. couldn't believe it. Yeah. And the, and Tyreek ended up taking the route across the field anyway, so it didn't really matter. It was like a post pattern, mm-hmm. and they were playing cover three. They were just playing three deep zone. But I was just like, oh, my God, he's bailing already. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I think that's – you get into a game, and it's like you say. You see these guys play on film. Then you get out there and see him live and in person. It's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. And uh, ironically, doing that makes you that guy. Yeah. You know, you've got to – I think these guys underestimate. Certainly, Tyreek can outrun him. But he's not going to leave him in the dust after three steps. Yeah. You've got to play aggressive on him and see if you can get into him and, and alter their route. And I think one of the things that DBs do against faster guys, if you can stay on top of them, you got to make them. You got to cut their path if they want to go off. Like if they want to go past you, make them choose a side yeah. and do it as late as they can because the ball's got to leave to his hand early. Yeah. And if you make him cut inside when he was thinking he was going to go outside, you know the ball's inaccurate and you can't do it. You got to stay on top of him and force him to run around you to but get what, deep. But what McDaniel does to neutralize that approach is he puts him in motion. Sure. He comes across the formation. They call the snap and he just. He just kind of bends the route up the field. He's he's almost full speed already, and then he just bends the route up field, and mm-hmm. you're going backwards. You don't have a chance. Yeah. And that's why he's dropping those balls in outside the numbers to some degree too because Dan mentioned the game plan that Brandon Staley had against them in the Chargers game last year and was brilliant. He shut off the middle of the field to Tua where he likes to do most of his work and gets the majority of his completions, and they couldn't make the adjustment in time and lost that football game. Well, week one this year – McDaniel, expecting that, had an answer. And he ran condensed formations with receivers stacked tight to the line of scrim, tight to the formation. And then he just ran one guy outside 
if they were overplaying the inside, and usually it was Tyreek, and Tyreek had nothing but green grass out there to exploit, and Tyreek Hill with 20 yards of width and 80 yards of depth, yeah, yeah you don't hard. want that. Yeah, it's hard to – you got because here's the thing. if Like I said, if you stay on top of him, yeah, okay, doesn't throw, he just stops, turns around, and you're – by that, you're seven or eight yards away, and Tua just... Lo- now he has the ball yeah, in space, yeah, which is lob- even worse. Tua lobs the ball out there, and he's standing by himself until you can get stopped and turn around and go back and get him. It's, it's a real... It's, it's a problem. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big, problem. It's a big, big problem. I'm very curious to see how the Bills are going to approach this thing and how much that plan morphs and changes through the course of the game. Because you know you can't... Even if you have a good early solution, kind of slow them down, you know you're going to have to change that because McDaniel will make changes during the course of the game as well. All right, break time for us. Still taking your phone calls at 803-0551-888-550-2550. Which way do your emotions lean for the game this weekend between the Bills and Dolphins? A, worried about the Dolphins' offense, or B, confident in the Bills' defense? More of your phone calls next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. The Buffalo Bills and Ad Pro Sports are teaming up to award varsity head football coaches with the Coach of the Week Award. Week four winners in the Buffalo region, Section 6. It's Sweet Home's Jeremy Zimmer after his team defeated Grand Island 22-13 to move into first place in the A2 division. In Section 5, the Rochester region, Coach of the Week is Dennis Thomas, head coach of True North Rochester Prep High School. In the school's first season with a football team, Thomas led the program to its first ever victory this past weekend, 12-6 over Dansville, Wayland, Cohocton. Each Coach of the Week winner will receive a $1,000 grant from the Buffalo Bills and Ad Pro Sports. 803-0550, the number to get on board here as we are asking you, which way do your emotions lean for the game this week between the Bills and Dolphins? A, worried about the Dolphins' offense, or B, confident in the Bills' defense? We've had a pretty balanced poll to this point on the – Twitter handle at One Bills Live, and we are going to go to the tweet sheet now. As we see, it's been pretty much 55-45 on the voting. It's a little more imbalanced now, 56-44 or so. Uh, but we're going to go to the tweet sheet now, brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving system of the Buffalo Bills. And Brian leans off by saying, I was worried until I watched the highlights and saw the kind of effort the Broncos were giving. Safe to say, regardless of how Sunday turns out, that it won't look like that this week. Um, yeah, you're not alone in that opinion. There are a lot of people that were actually at that game, reporters and the like, who said, oh, man, Denver really didn't have much to offer there in the second half in particular. Yeah. And who knows what's going on behind closed doors there in Denver. We hear also reports that people aren't thrilled with Sean Payton's my way or the highway approach that he's taken as the new head coach of the Broncos. Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator. He's in a bunch of hot water now after that kind of performance. So maybe there are more things at play there with Denver and how their season has gone as they have not yet won a football game. But, yeah, I would expect a much better performance out of the Buffalo Bills than we saw from the Denver Broncos last week. My goodness. Yeah. The, yeah, Denver. That's just not the way Buffalo rolls. Right out of the gate, that this, the play we, ju- we were just looking at, Tyreek Hill goes in for the first touchdown of the game, and Denver had complete blown coverage and lack of discipline 
from their safeties that one safety grabs a crossing route and jumps down on a crossing route and leaves Tyreek Hill by himself. The tackling is awful. Um, Am I wrong about this? This tackling is horrendous. Um, and we're watching some of the highlights for some of our radio listeners. Our MSU viewers are seeing some of the highlights from last week's Dolphins-Broncos game. The tackling is atrocious. I mean, it's atrocious. Guys dropping their heads, not shooting their hands. I mean, it's it's terrible. My God, is it terrible. Yeah. 70 yeah. Is, is an anomaly for a reason in this league. Yeah. Allen on the tweet sheet says, I'm a little worried because of the Dolphins' speed on offense. I also am worried about penalties like in the beginning of the Commanders game. Stay focused and keep to the game plan. Yeah, once again, you know, you look at the Bills' 37-3 victory. The Bills could have hung a 50-burger on Washington easy. The problem was they weren't super productive on first down, put them in a lot of long down and distance situations. And then from time to time, not as numerous as week one against the Jets, but from time to time they had a, you know, an unforced error penalty that put them in long down and distance as well, and it bogged down some of the drives. And that's why they had to settle for field goals early in that game rather than getting it in the end zone for touchdowns. Well, even so, I mean, they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Yes. Um, the floodgates had broken by then. And yeah, Well, that's what happens in the Denver game. Yeah. You score, uh, you know, 50 or 38 or 42 on, on a team in an NFL game, they, they're done. They've given up, and that's, you know. So, yeah, in that case, if you leave Josh in the game at the end, they probably would have hung another one on him. Yeah. So that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, the Denver game, it really did get ugly and ridiculous. I mean, you got Skylar Thompson <laughs> threw two passes. One was a 60 No, no, it was, it was Mike White. Mike White, I'm sorry, threw two passes. And one was a 67-yard touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it, Denver – wanted that game to be over and they were willing to they were willing to let Dolphins score to make it happen. Mm. Let's get back to the phones at 8030550. We go to Ryan in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Ryan? How you guys doing today? Doing great, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh I think that um everybody's excited. I hope everybody's as excited uh, for this game as I am. I think this is a true test to see where our team is really at at this point in the season. Um, I think that if we can keep Tyreek Hill in check uh, and we get the pressure that our defensive line has been showing lately, it's definitely not going to be as easy as the Redskins. But I think that if uh, we get the pressure on Tua, and um, we're in his face every play where he can't sit back and, and just pick us apart with Tyree Kill, that uh, we have a really good shot in making a statement in this game. Um, our running game, the developing running game that uh, we have going on right now is amazing. It's something that I haven't seen in a long time. And uh, I'm really excited for this Bills team because – you know, last year, everybody was all on our, our train and the media was talking good about us and, you know, we're Super Bowl favorites, this or that. We never play good when, when that's the case. You know, I like being under the radar. I like them forgetting the moves that we made, you know, in the off season. And I love this uh, new linebacker that we got that played lights out last week. So thanks for taking my call, guys. All right, sure thing, Ryan. Yeah, you're, you're right about the run game. You know who's third in the league in rushing right now, Steve? Um, James Cook. James Cook, third in the league in rushing with 267 yards on the ground. So only a couple of guys ahead of him. One of them's named McCaffrey. So I think he's doing pretty darn good. And right. 
That is a new element to Buffalo's offense that Miami did not see much of last year. And I don't think Miami's offense saw the speed and coverage ability to the level we've seen through the first three weeks at the linebacker level for the Bills' defense. So there are some differences to uh, what the Bills have typically brought to the table. And and I I do believe that Sean McDermott is going to come up with some exotic things that Tua has not seen from this defense, which over the past few years kind of sits in nickel and you know what you're getting. Right. And, and I don't know that that's the case anymore with this Buffalo defense. I think there is, it's been the exotic nature of some of the calls here and there are new and they're aggressive and I'm in favor of them. So anything you do to get Tua to pat the ball even once, yeah. advantage Buffalo. The thing that's different about Buffalo this season is exactly what we were hoping would happen. Now it's only three weeks in and they played, haven't played very yeah. good teams yet. But they're number one in the league in interceptions and they're number two in the league in sacks. That is that's great. You know, that's where you want to be. And and that's something they haven't been ranked that highly in in years past. And when so, Sean McDermott calls defenses, that's typically where it ranks. His Carolina defenses right. were very so, high in sacks and takeaways. So if you're getting a ton of sacks and a ton of takeaways, I don't care if they give up, you know, 400 yards offense a game. You're getting sacks and getting takeaways, so be it. We'll take yeah. the ball. Back to the phones and to Bill and Kenmore. What do you got for us, Bill? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh Thanks for the call. Um, I'm thinking about you know, this passing of Tua, and you've got four guys that are six foot six. If you put them there as the four linemen, they put their hands up. You're talking like seven to eight foot of height, and that might be a little problem for Tua because he's going to all of a sudden have to figure out is the ball going to get deflected or knocked down, or maybe he can't find his receivers if these guys are coming at him. And also getting back to that game last night where you had the situation where Pierce is so. Uh, the Rams lost two touchdowns on calls. It was a, a whistle that was done after play became a touchdown. The other guy did not step out of bounds, and they ruled it was out of bounds. And so maybe the Bengals should have lost that game as opposed to uh, having won it. So those are just my comments. Yeah, they were fortunate last night. There's no question about it. And unfortunately, we see that somewhere around the league every single week. You're just hoping your team isn't the victim of a call or a non-call like that. Or lack of an overturn call. Right. Yeah, that's... Because that was a tight game throughout. It was a tight and you, game. And you hate to see a call like that alter the outcome. And, I, and I'll say this, Joe gutted it out, but Joe Burrow is not playing like himself. And I, I th- He can only play in shotgun. He can't drop back with that right. calf. Um, I think they're really lucky to be getting through with him. Yeah. Throwing it like he does. Um, I, I think it's... He's just... You can tell... There was a couple of times when they all, they also, the modus operandi for him was last night, in my opinion, was if he felt there was going to be pressure, if somebody got beaten, they were still three yards away. And the normal instinct for any of us, the guy's coming at you, you kind of step and get out of the way and jump out of the way or fake him out or take off running. Joe wasn't doing that. Because he, he can't. He can't do it. He knew he would throw the ball away, and it forced a lot of incompletions just because he couldn't move in the pocket to avoid pressure the way he normally does. Yeah, even subtle movement. Even subtle movement, He it was really a problem for him. I, I think that's going to manifest itself in a negative way for the Bengals. Maybe we don't really understand it. Maybe he's going to throw some picks or whatever, but last night I think it manifested itself in his inability to get easier completions 
when they had a guy when they, he normally would have been able to do it. Yeah. Break time for us here. Steve and I with some final thoughts on the tweet sheet when we return here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Some final thoughts on the tweet sheet here on One Bills Live, where we've been asking you all day, which way do your emotions lean for the game this week? Worried about the Bills, the Dolphins' offense or confident in the Bills' defense? And Bill says, this Bills team has gone on the road to Arrowhead and beaten the Chiefs the past two seasons. They won two of three from Miami last year and should have won all three. Is Miami good? Sure. Do they have a crazy offense? Yes. Do the Bills have an amazing D? Also yes. And the Bills' O is tremendous as well. So Bill's sounds basically like, saying, hold on a second here, Sounds people. like a good game, and that's what I think it's going to be. I think it's yeah. going to be a game for two good football teams. Um, certainly, either one of these teams, with the way Josh Allen has played historically against the, the Dolphins, you never think this Bill's team is going to be out of it, and certainly yeah. the Dolphins never think you're going to outscore them or get ahead by so far they can never come back. This is going to be two teams with their foot on the gas pedal, on both sides of the ball all day. Uh, it's supposed to be fantastic weather, and I it, I just think this is the kind of reg- – this is really, to me, the first big regular season game with a little added meaning, playoff seeding, division yep. uh, lead. All of that is on the line. I think it's going to be awesome. Ed says, sure, Miami crushed Denver, but the other two wins came by a combined nine points over San Diego and New England. And then finally, Chef says, screw being worried. It's exciting that Miami doesn't stink anymore. It was getting boring. They were such an easy target. It's going to be a big one, and we're just getting started this week. Plenty more tomorrow. We'll see you at 1.